don't we welcome Pastor Timothy George to the stage to share the word for us this morning? Thank you, Pastor Tim. All right. Let me ask you, I'm going to begin by asking you some questions. Is the Holy Spirit here right now? Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. Oh, no, I love that. That response is amazing. Um, and then it is, how can you tell? Great. I'm loving this. I'm loving this rapport, this back and forward. This is good. All right. My question as well is, do we know because the Bible tells us so or because we feel it? Now, as a young man, desperate for work, I would take, you know, any odd job. And I found myself, I don't know if that's been your experience trying to enter the workforce. You find yourself doing these really odd, odd jobs. And uh, one of the um, jobs I found myself doing is clearing out a deceased estate. So what that, what that job is, is basically you get a bunch of skip bins and you get someone's, every one of their possessions that remains and you literally throw it all into the bin. It's, it's, it's full on work. Now, the house I was working, I was working in a house and on the outside, the house looked really boring, like bland. It looked like every other house that was in that suburbia, just boring. But I've got to tell you that within, the house was freaky deaky, spooky kooky, bit of a, a suitable weather out there. I feel like a little lightning strike would have worked quite well there. Someone flicked the lights on and off. All the windows and mirrors were covered, no light, no reflection. Millions of dollars worth of checks stacked up dusty on the living room floor. No kin to claim them. And gradually, whilst we worked the couple of days I was working there, uh, the neighbours began to unfold this story about this house that every single person that had lived in that house over the last 10 years had ended up dying of cancer. Every single one. So there I was, with my vacuum cleaner, you know, jumping, jumping at every small squeak and creak, you know, and singing to myself, who are you going to call? <laughs> Let's try it again. Who are you going to call? Very good. There are some 80s children here after all. So long story short, the perk of this odd, odd job was that I was allowed to take anything I wanted from the house. And being young and dumb and spiritually numb, I did, I did. I took some, I took some stuff home, things that I thought were good because they were free. And nevertheless, upon arriving home, I, even I, felt unsettled in the depths of my spirit. I felt unsettled. Something was wrong. So I consulted with a Christian mentor of mine and we both felt compelled to take those objects and to dispose of them in, by ocean, in the water, throw them into the water. Like, just came out of nowhere. And so, um, 
And that's what we did. And at that time, it, had, it was late in the day. It was after work. And we, we went and we disposed of them with prayers on our hearts and lips. And as we drove away from the Kayama Bluffs, that's where we did it. We threw them off the cliff and into the water. And as we drove away, there was a yet another eerie scene. Like in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere, there was a car parked there. And this is late. I'm talking late, 12 or 1. And there's a car parked there with literally the most cats I've ever seen. On the car, in the car, around the car. Okay. What does this story mean? Can someone please explain it to me? (laughs) What does this story mean? Is it weird? Is it normal? For some people, maybe that's their normal. Where does lived experience collide with the gospel? How are Christians to navigate a spiritual minefield of a world fraught with sin and hell? Today's sermon is going to be all about the spiritual gift of discernment. Personally, I've spent the last five years of my life really seeking and praying hard to God that He will increase my gifting in leadership. That's what I've been praying for. And yet I feel a real sense of urgency right now for me and for our church to continue seeking God and praying for more and more and more discernment. In the beginning of time, deception tricked Adam and Eve into sin. Today, the scam industry currently costs Australians $634 million per year. Likewise, society is fraught with emotional, physical, sexual abuse of all kinds, to say nothing of false prophets, witchcraft, demons, antichrist, end of age. (laughs) Bit heavy? (laughs) Far out. We, the church, we cannot afford to stick our heads in the sand on this matter. During my research, I read one sermon that reflected on this topic uh, by... um, by talking about, you know, in church, there's this Christianese word, keys. And like when, uh, when a pastor will preach or uh, you just see it around the place, people talk about, oh, I'm going to give you a key. Here's three keys. And, and one pastor reflecting on discernment said, you know, for as much as the church life like endeavors to give you the keys, it is the spirit of discernment. It is the gift of discernment that will teach you where and how to use that key and how to jimmy the lock just right to push the door open. When we moved into our house, we were given something like 20 keys. Every lock seemed to have a different key. (laughs) So we had to, they weren't labeled or nothing. You just had to know which one was for which. And, you know, we kind of just went around and tried every single one. And even then, you have to know how the lock works. You have to know how to open it. Are you with me? Do you understand this? And it's, it's the same thing is true for the Spirit. You know, Jesus might have a master key. You know, that's Jesus-level stuff. But for the rest of us, we've got to learn how stuff works in the Spirit. And the training is through this thing we call discernment. 2 Chronicles 1.7, God visits young King Solomon in a dream, stating, ask for whatever you want to give me. Is that crazy? <laughs> Is that crazy? That's like some Aladdin stuff. (laughs) Ask for whatever you want to give me. And Solomon asked for what? 
wisdom. But more than just wisdom, Sharma, an understanding heart. And he goes on to say, to discern good from evil. And so proud is our Father God of his little Solomon that God answers that since you didn't ask for wealth, possessions, honor, power, or long life, I'm not only going to give you discernment, but I'm going to pour out in your life all of those other things. And he says, he says, such as no king ever had or will ever have ever again. That's how proud God was of that answer. Are you feeling like that's an answer you want to give today? God poured out such amazing things on Solomon's life just because he had the wisdom to ask for wisdom. All right, I want you to respond to that. I want everyone to say, wow. And now we're wowed, let's pray. God, we thank you so much, Father, for your Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you so much for your creation, Father. And Lord, we know that this creation, Lord, we know that for as good as you are and as good as it is, God, that we've been a part of making it something else, Lord. We've been a part of, uh, we understand, Lord, that there is challenges to life. And Lord, so we're seeking you, God. We cannot walk this life without the author of life, God. We need you, God. So, Lord, I pray today that you'll give us some keys and you'll give us how to use those keys, Lord. Amen. So let's go, let's go step it back a bit. What is discernment? Not that common a word anymore. Discernment is a gift of the Holy Spirit as outlined in 1 Corinthians 12.10. And personally, I believe that all Christians should eagerly desire all gifts. And that, uh, you know, some of us are gifted specially for certain things, and yet all of us have the Holy Spirit within us. Amen? And that Holy Spirit cannot, <laughs> is indivisible. It is infinite. And so, yes, we all have access to the Holy Spirit and some level of discernment. Now, the Greek word for discernment is dia, dia crisis. crisis. Dire crisis. And dire means to pass through. And to pass through thoroughly so as to separate, to divide, especially into two. Crisis means a vitally important moment in which some change has determined, let me get this right, in which Change must come for better or for worse. And it's actually originally a medical term. And it's actually about a moment uh, in, when, when someone has a disease, it's about a moment when they can tell whether that person is going to die or they're going to live. <laughs> that's, where, that's where it came from. And uh, coincidentally, this Greek word crisis is the etymological root of uh, the English word by the same phonetic sound, crisis. Exactly the same, which I found really interesting. And so thus, when we look at the origins of this word and these things, we're, we're faced with this sense that the gift of discernment offers a unique opportunity for people to pass through, to dire, to pass through a crisis. I thought that was awesome. 
pass through a crisis, specifically to diagnose spiritual health and to leverage spiritually charged opportunities for change. I'm going to just talk to that for a second. I didn't have any of this in here, but I just feel that that's important. Spiritually charged opportunities. And what I'm talking about here is that God can raise up whoever he wants to raise up. And that sometimes, you know, the whole reason we do ministry lines and the whole reason we do different things like that, provide opportunities, is because they're just that. They are an opportunity. I feel like there can, there can arrive in religion a complacency where it's just like, well, I'm in relationship with God. I've already received the Holy Spirit. So I've got, I've got it all. But the thing is, the thing is that there's actually special opportunities. There's special, you know, there's different angels in heaven. There's, God loves to present opportunities. You know, when, when Israel in Exodus, fleeing from their slavery, was working through their crisis, they came to the promised land and, and they went in and they looked at it. God got them to survey it and to see what they thought about it. And it was a test. It was an opportunity. And because of that opportunity, because they didn't rise to that occasion, they had to wait 40 years for the opportunity to come again. I think I just want to remind you that like, you know, we've got to have a little bit of fear of God in us. We've got to have a little bit of urgency when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Not some, you know, kind of like, oh, it'll be there again later. You know, God's a good shepherd. He's going to keep seeking me out. That's true, but it may be 40 years later. And even then, will you have the eyes to see? I tell you, that generation that went and looked at the promised land, their eyes were so wrong, God needed to let them die out so that their children could inherit it. It's about the eyes to see. It's about leveraging these opportunities. And so we rely upon those with discernment, this gift of discernment, because they love that opportunity of the Holy Spirit to move. to diagnose spiritual help, to leverage spiritually charged opportunities for change in order to separate disease, the disease of sin and demonic influence from our lives, our homes, our church, to grow healthy. In Chinese, the word crisis, I'm doing all kinds of words, Greek, you know, Hebrew, let's go Chinese, let's just do it. In Chinese, the word crisis is composed of two characters, which is so telling. The first character is danger. And the second character is opportunity. (laughs) So let's talk about the benefits of this gift. Again, the Greek word um, diachrisis, it's only used three times in the New Testament. However, its Hebrew equivalent, being, is used 170 times in the Old Testament. So utilizing the biblical themes around these words, this is how my mind is working with this. You know, quite often the Bible doesn't spell things out the way I wished it would, you know. You actually have to work hard for things, you know. You're going to seize the opportunity. Um, So using these words that are talking about this thing, I have, um, you know, and using research, I've kind of mapped out some unique characteristics and opportunities around this gift. And there's a slide. Next slide. Yeah, that's the one. Okay. 
So I'm not going to go 100% into all of this. I'll just touch upon these things. So discernment is helpful in leadership. In fact, it was one of the identifying um, characteristics of leaders outlined in Deuteronomy 1.13. It is very often, like almost 50% of the time, paired with uh, wisdom and with knowing And knowing is so interesting, isn't it? You know, I don't know if you've ever been in church and you've felt the moving of the Holy Spirit and then someone later asks you, you, how did you know? <laughs> and how do you answer? How do you answer? How do you know? <laughs> and, you know, the thing I find about those people is that this is generally the answer, when I know I know. <laughs> <laughs> So that, that, don't, that doesn't help me, you know. Like, but when I, it's, it's a knowing. There's something about this which is a knowing. And so, but I love that, I love how God has made such an effort of pairing discernment with wisdom because I believe that he's sending a message to the discerner uh, that you must temper your gift with wisdom. You need to have a wisdom of where, when, and how to convey the message you're receiving and also to whom. You know, just because you feel the Holy Spirit moving doesn't mean that the person next to you is feeling it. <laughs> Isn't that weird? <laughs> Sometimes Shree and I will get in the car after church and be like, did you, did you feel it? <laughs> when did you feel it? How did you feel it? You know, it's kind of exchanging notes. <sighs> That's what I love about God. He, God loves difference. He loves variety. He created each of us different and all unified, same Holy Spirit inside all of us, and yet we will encounter God differently, different days, different ways. Okay, when you see on the slide, when you see the little um, times table next to the word, that's how many times the word appears around that theme, okay? So around instruction, discernment appears three times. And I think that when paired with something like teaching, discerning is a really fantastic gift because it'll, it'll teach you how to reach your audience. You can discern what they need to hear, the right words to teach them. Now, it's a, the first time it ever occurs is actually around um, Joseph's dream. So dreams, visions, and interpretation are all part of this gift. It occurs 19 times in Daniel, 20 times in Isaiah. And basically what that is, is, it, is it, it's working, partnering with the Holy Spirit in processing spiritual information. You become like a conduit between, you know, what God is trying to say and then letting other people know as well. You kind of partner with God in the process. A lot of people with discernment perceive things, through, perceive things through their natural senses. Eyes, ears, taste, touch. If any of those interest you, write them down. And what that is, is the spirit will sometimes affect things in even the fleshly world. And so God can use your senses to like alert you to those things. And here's one understanding of the heart. Sometimes people with discernment, no, often people with discernment will be looking beyond the words that someone says uh, or their actions. 
And, you know, sometimes that can be a challenge to have someone discerning you. (laughs) You know that statement, they looked right through me. (laughs) Sometimes that's a bit of a challenge. Sometimes it's a bit of a challenge when you've worked really hard to try and hide how you're feeling and someone says, boom, puts their finger right on the nerve. (laughs) Uh, And so, yes, like sometimes God will just reveal to a discerner what is going on in the heart of a person. I believe that many church conflicts and arguments could be prevented if we could discern the hearts of one another. Because we look at, man look judges things by the outside appearance. We try and fix things by the outside. We, you know, but God, God himself says, you know, it's not what you, it's not what comes in from the outside. It's what comes from the heart that counts. It's what comes from inside that counts. And so discernment can help us keep unity and peace in the church when we're discerning the goodness and the Holy Spirit within each other. Discernment brings those liberating aha moments. When someone just gives you clarity on your inner world. I've had discerners and prophets speak things to me that have made more sense than my own thoughts. (laughs) Because it's coming from God. I'm like, you know me better than I know me. It's clarity. It's that word clarity. And then here's another word for you, confirmation. Oh, that's a a good one. (laughs) It's a good one for both those being discerned and for the discerner. Uh, Because for the discerner who's receiving messages from God, it's a lonely business sometimes. You're holding these things for other people. You don't always tell people. Sometimes God just asks you to hold that information, to pray into that information. And then someone will come to you and confirm something or God will confirm through his words or through opportunities that come your way that the things he has been growing and impressing upon your heart, that it is real and that he will direct your steps when you step out in faith. So confirmation. And lastly, it distinguishes between spirits. And this is interesting too, because where all of those other principles came from the Old Testament, uh, the distinguishment between spirits comes from the New Testament. Those three occasions in the New Testament. Um, So we've covered um, 1 Corinthians 12.10. And what's interesting to me about that is because the other ones are very practical, but here we get to the point where it's distinguishing between spirits themselves, human spirits, heavenly spirits, hellish spirits, all spirits. Now, witchcraft is real. And I believe that that lady sitting in the car was with all the cats. Remember that? It's hard to forget. <laughs> that lady sitting in the car with all the cats. I believe that was probably a witch. Bit of a cliche keeping so many cats though, right? Um, and I believe that what, what people call magic is really just a version of demonic possession. That's what I believe that is. And um, the world will seek to confuse people around spiritual understanding, hence Harry Potter, hence Sabrina. Like, you know, there's all of these good magicians, you know. Um, You know, the white lie, the white witch, 
These are worldly inventions. This is media-driven framework. But don't you love how, like, look, let's just have a laugh about us for a second. How dumb are humans where we say, we just put the word white in front of it and somehow that's expected to solve it. (laughs) It's a white lie. It's not bad anymore. I called it white. You know, it's a white witch. You know, it's like, this is how basic um, Satan thinks we are. That just saying the word white fixes everything. Okay. 1 Samuel 15, 23 challenges us in this matter to consider even our own hearts. It says a challenging verse that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. You know, I never, I've never done a Ouija board. I've never dabbled in that stuff, right? But I have been rebellious. And the Bible challenges me, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So I've got to watch my heart. I've got to check myself. So we've talked about how witchcraft is a version of demonic possession. Demons, if you've never heard this before, I'm just going to go through the basics of this stuff, if that's cool. Demons are fallen angels, and they delight in deceiving They delight in convincing people that they're still angels, basically. I noticed around prepping this sermon, you Google the word angel, it's like, it's a really scary thing to do. (laughs) Because you Google the word angel and all I'm seeing is all these demons popping up. (laughs) The demons are deceivers. They, they, They long to be called angels. There's like things called angel healing that have nothing to do with the church at all. People worshiping angels because they've been deceived. So we've got to be careful. Demons will present, same in the Garden of Eden, quick fixes as good and pleasing to the eye. But ultimately, they tend to trap and enslave you. Those quick fixes, as you go further down, your freedom diminishes. Your ability to worship God, your ability to reflect, to see the light, your ability to see the value of things diminishes. You know, it's the story of the home. I'm talking about the home that I was in what the demons want to have happen to your home and your person, where you can't even bear to see your own reflection in the mirror. You've got to cover it up. You can't even bear to let light in because it offends you. So you've got to hide that sin, even light itself. And you, you, you're so lost that even the things the world is selling no longer have any value. You can't taste, you can't care. You've got millions of dollars of checks stacked up and it's all going in the bin. <laughs> and that's where it ends up. What starts as being itching ears, what starts as looking like a bit of rebellion, hey, you're right, they're wrong. Like what starts as following those tracks, it can end up with you being alone, sure, rich, but alone and with nothing to show for it, no legacy, no hope. I believe that the gospel is frustrated by sin and hell and that that those things, they seek to blind, deaf, numb, dumb, kill. And I, I... Discerners, they partner with the Holy Spirit in diagnosing the area of a person's life that is spiritually blocked. For those with discernment in the room, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will tell you, hey, pray for their ears. There's something wrong. They're not hearing the message. Pray for their eyes. There's something wrong. They're not 
seeing the truth about what's going on around them. They're not catching the vision. You know, I know it seems, you know, it seems something. I can't even word it. (laughs) But this stuff is true. And a discerner is very helpful in diagnosing and helping you overcome wherever the spiritual block is in your life. And if you've got the humility to ask them, they'd be happy to help. That is so rare. The discerner is often in this uncomfortable position of trying gently to nudge people into the awareness of what is happening in the spirit for the people who can't feel it. But if you, if you're, if you know, if you're like, hey, I don't know why I just can't enjoy church. I don't know why I just can't find unity with the fellow believer. I don't know why, but, you know, I just can't pick up my Bible the moment I pick up my Bible, I fall asleep. You know, the chances are there could be a spiritual block there for you. And if you just have the humility to ask someone with the gift of discernment to come and pray with you, you know, you can pray your way through it. Remember, through dire crisis, dire. You pass through that crisis in Jesus' name. <laughs> That's awesome. Here's some things that the writers I researched compared the discerner to. Bank tit. Who decide what is of value and what's a counterfeit. Who decide what to take to the bank. Others compare discerners to spiritual Geiger counters. That's what you do to detect radiation after something goes off. They can determine the spiritual atmosphere. They can identify the demonic or angelic influence. And they possibly even name it. When they've been doing it for a while, they may even be able to name it. A discerner will know if a miracle sermon or prophecy is from God or not. I'm just deciding what I need to tell you last because we're running out of time. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I'll just keep going. Every now and then when I'm on the internet, (laughs) on the devices, every now and then an ad will pop up that tells me I have a virus. (laughs) Has anyone had that happen to you before? And it's like, it'll say, your computer has a virus. You need to pay money and download my antivirus software. Who's clicked it? (laughs) Oh, Phil, who's had a sneaky hand? (laughs) Who here knows within this context that the antivirus software is the virus? (laughs) I have to tell you, at times, the gift of discernment has appeared to me to be the same thing. Like a, like a scam where everything is the devil. Not everything, not everything is the devil. But some things, some things are. And sometimes it's the things you least expect. Now, full disclosure, although I'm talking about discernment, although I have been praying to receive more discernment, I can tell you that this gift scares me a little bit. Something about it just scares me. 
I read a book by Jennifer Ivaz called Seeing the Supernatural. Thank you, Pat, for the lend. Very good. It describes discernment in this really challenging way. It des- she describes her gift as a discernment as having a loaded gun and firing it without even knowing what the target is. <laughs> See, I told you, this gift scares me. <laughs> having a loaded gun and firing it without even knowing what the target is. That's someone with the gift. And then on the flip side of that statement, I believe that those people with the gift of discernment, they are enemies to hell itself. And so I believe they are targeted by hell and they are targeted by things like mysticism. They can tend towards the new age. Uh, They are targeted by mental health that confuses their gift that God has given them. You know, anything God gives you, the enemy is going to try to steal. If God gives you truth, the enemy will feel very compelled to try and bend it into a lie. So if God gives you a gift of discernment, the issue is what's the enemy's strategy going to be? (laughs) To confuse you. (laughs) To confuse you with your own emotion, to confuse you with anything, you know, whatever it takes to get the job done. So they're targeted. People with this gift, they're often scoffed at by the world and by the church. Occasionally even institutionalized. And it's because the things they're trusted to see, they sound revelation bonkers. Have you, who's read the book of Revelation? <laughs> I mean, it, you know, it's kind of like eating vegetables sometime reading that book. <laughs> <laughs> How many of you would like a friend who talked like revelations to you? You know, you're just there and you're like, how's your day? And they're like, oh, watch out for the beast rising from the water. (laughs) It would just be like, it doesn't seem very practical. Why does this exist? So again, seeing these things, hearing these things, if the discerner is not careful, they can be be deceived by their own self-importance, their own emotion, and they can become hypocritical ranters. And the role of the discerner is to reveal to people, but people can become so shut off from them because they're scary. And so the discerner needs to have some things in place. All right, but before we get there, I'll, I'll finish with that. But before we go there, I'll, I'll say this. You don't have to be in church long before you hear the whispers of discerners, before you hear about people who see demons, have spiritual dreams, feel the spiritual atmosphere around an object. Some people feel the spirit around a whole town or a city. See demons with the naked eye. Sometimes even I'm, when that's told to you, when that information is told to you, do you feel a little bit like, who would want this gift? (laughs) Do I even have enough faith for this gift? (laughs) You know, I I personally can't bear to watch horror movies, let alone live one, right? (laughs) But let me flip it again. Let me ask you this. If, If your home was crawling with pests, would you want to know? Some of, some of you are like, oh, that's cool. No, no, no. So the question is, is, the question is for a discerner, how much do you love truth? How driven are you to see your brothers and sisters in Christ free? Free. 
Now, I love and greatly value discerners. That's where my heart behind speaking this today. The discerners are truth tellers. They are gatekeepers. Humility is their gospel. Prayer is their oxygen. And they cling tight to Jesus's words in Matthew 16, 19. If you were a discerner, you should know this scripture by heart. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven so that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Can I get an amen? That powerful gift, powerful tool. The discerner holds a deep conviction to see spiritual slaves set free. I'm sure Jesus didn't want to come down to heaven. Didn't say God so wanted to visit earth. So loved, compelled by love. Compelled by love, desiring to see us free. Couldn't bear to see us tortured, see us imprisoned in our sin. The discerner longs to see slaves set free from demonic bondage. They have a burning passion to worship with the unity of the church in the ungrieved, unfettered, unstoppable presence of the Holy Spirit. And when a discerner is healthy and effective, they, they make every effort to make themselves accountable. And I'm just going to run through this really quickly because this is helpful. Accountable to God, accountable to biblical principles, accountable to leaders and accountable to the church. And you can write that down while I switch the light off and I'll get you to stand to your feet. so much more to say church (laughs) I ran out of time (sighs) yeah I love that God is beyond my understanding how good is how good is that (sighs) I would never have thought that this gift could be such a good thing you know God won't leave us in our sin he, won't, he, does, he doesn't want to leave us bound. That's not his heart at all. Like right now, you can practice your gift of discerning right now. You're here for a reason because you have some measure of a spiritual inclination that something is happening in this place. So use your discernment and try and discern the heart of God. Is it not good? <laughs> is it not there for freedom? Is it not loving towards you? It's the, when you press into that heart of God, when you press in, when you really press in, you receive it. It becomes a part of you too. It's, it's not just like, you know, is it, Jesus said when you drink of the living water that it just, it's not just that you're not thirsty uh, for a moment, it's that you never thirst ever again. And more than that, it says the believer becomes a spiritual fountain. That when you taste of that water, it starts springing from you as well. You know, that heart to free, the discerner's heart to free, the discerner's uh, love of God's presence and wanting to help him to be able to move that presence around and help people to be free and move in that presence. That's something that you can spring from your life. And so that's what today is about. And we're going to worship God, but if, if discerning, if that heart of God is something you would like more of, 
that you want to operate in more. You want to help other people through, to get through their crisis. Come up. I would love to pray with you. And I've asked um, some discerners to come up and pray with me too. It's what's called an impartation. We're going to just pray that you receive that heart of God and that you receive that gift of discernment. Bless you, church. Let's pray. Um, let's, um, yeah, let's pray. God, we just thank you, Father, for your discernment. Lord, I just pray right now that you'll touch the people that you've chosen, God, that you have chosen. Just, Lord, to humble themselves, to ask you, Lord, even for the hard things, God. And as this worship plays, Lord, I just pray that you'll convict them to come up, Father, and receive this gift. Amen.